kingdom of God. All right, so we're going to hear Jazz Veer's awesome story. I've heard this before, and you guys are going to love this. And it, actually, he did it a little better this time. He's, he's come with uh, visual aids. I like visual aids. Thank you, Jazz. There's a funny reason I picked that song. I'll probably say it towards the end, but it's a beautiful song. I chose it for a reason. Texted uh, my boy Hamp before I was coming here on my way here, actually. I was like, hey, that song is in there. Get it. Get it. All right, everybody jump on the seat. No, just kidding. All right. Testimony time. I brought some pictures and I got some uh, just geographical because I'm multicultural. And uh, yeah, thank you. (laughs) I'm multicultural. So geography is going to be a pivotal part. (laughs) I brought these maps just in case you ought to know your geography. All right, so let's start from the very, very beginning. I'm not nervous. All right. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just... All right, 1987, March 13th. Don't calculate that. Don't calculate that. California, born and raised. Cali boy. In case you all don't know where California is at, it's on the United States on the West Coast. You know where that's at. That's it. I think it's you. you, Yeah. Santa Paula, California, Ventura County, beautiful. That's where people want to go live because of the weather. Father was of Indian descent, India, Gandhi style, not um, Native American. As you can see how far India is from where I was born. Father did some amazing, miraculous things to get here. My mother, you all know my mom. For those who don't, she also attends here at Compass Church. You know my mama too. (laughs) Um... She was actually born in Mexico, down there, real close with California. All right. So I'm a mixed child. I'm, you know, half Indian and half Mexican, and I'm born in California. That's the only reason, that's the only way it almost feels like, because California is such a melting pot, and uh, you have to ask my mom on a reason why she found my father attractive, and then boom, yeah, nine months later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny thing about me growing up, uh, English was not my first language. I have video proof and VHS tapes. Some of y'all know what that is. Some of you kids do not. Then those kids do not. Uh, of me speaking Spanish to my mom and my dad. Um, and my dad, I remember, I'm like, I'm speaking Spanish to my dad, but he doesn't know the language. But he, he tried. And uh, I got some pictures of me as a little kid. Itty bitty kid. I'm going to pass that around. Feel free to take one, pass it down. You'll see my, a picture of my father. I'll start right here. A couple pictures. All right. Did not learn English until the first grade. I'll never forget the teacher, Mrs. Corvette. Uh, she was rough. Uh, she did not like the Hispanic community, and it was a very scarred memory because of the way she taught things. 
And um, yeah, growing up in California, uh, I didn't have any siblings. I was the only child of my mother and father. And uh, I relied on my cousins. Uh, some of those pictures are getting passed around. At that age is when I started getting introduced to some of my cousins. And, you know, those are my cousins, and I treated them like my brothers and sisters. So that's all I knew in the sibling world. Growing up, going to school, elementary school, going through there. And uh, grandma was a huge part of my life. Father of my memories as a young child worked, worked Worked, worked. He was such a workaholic that I've, I rarely saw him. My mother, thank God for whatever she did growing as as growing up, she did whatever she can as as a mother to keep her son happy. Me, she would buy me things uh, if it was the latest video game, if it was the latest card or whatever toy. She would do her thing. Um, but yeah, father. The working memory. And then as I got to an age where I realized what he's starting to do in his life, drinking became the picture. Alcohol. And that's, that's my memory of my father as a kid. I remember him going to work and drinking, smoking too, cigarettes. That's all I remember him. I mean, yeah, he, he did the father thing here from time to time. Uh, but... When they got together, when I say they, I'm talking about my Indian side of my family because, uh, backtrack a little bit. India side, my family's from the Punjab state right there. There's, uh, there's states, like the United States is 50. I think there's like 27. I don't remember the exact number of India. But Punjabis are, 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 is my family. And then the fun fact about Punjab is there are, they speak the Punjabi language. And they have their own religion called Sikh, Sikhism. Sikhism is uh, where you go to the temple and worship. It's a monotheistic religion. They worship, they worship one God. It was founded in the 1400s by a Guru Nanak. And temple is where you go to. They separated the men and the women. And uh, that's where my grandma, I was telling you, has a pivotal point in my life because she would... I recite this prayer every night before I went to bed. We're talking about summertime now. I'm not doing this during school, you know. And uh, when I go visit my cousins, who are like my brothers, and yeah, and so my grandma taught me a lot about the Indian culture and the religion there. And uh, yeah, and then also when I started growing up, I'm still growing up, and uh, I'm, I'm still in elementary school. Now I'm moving into my middle school. I remember. My Indian side, mainly my father, they're entrepreneurs. They own businesses. That's the reason they come to the United States is to have that American dream, to own a business. And the cliche of the Indian people owning gas stations and hotels is so true. Uh, because that's what my father ended up getting, a little small business, a little market. Later on was a gas station, but just a little store. And I think, oh, yeah, here we go. Here's some more pictures Here's a, here's a picture of my father and I at that store. So many memories. At this store is where I developed my work ethic as a young kid. I'm talking about 10 or 11 years old. I remember day in, day out after school, but they'll pick me up, take me to the store, and I'll just fill up the coolers, stock the candy, 
And, uh, yeah, so the picture of my father and I at, at that place selling cigarettes. I'm a miner selling beer and cigarettes to these customers. It was insane. But, you know, family business. You did what you had to do, you know. And uh, <laughs> I think I'm holding a Pokemon card there. That's where that crazy addiction came from. Um, yeah. <laughs> a what? So um, here I am, a Californian boy, half Indian, half Mexican, and then my father decides to take me to India. Uh, never forget that. That's a memorable trip, my first time going out of the country. Uh, I am now 10 years old. Here's a couple of pictures of me in India for my first time. First time in India as a kid shocked here I am used to the American way of life can get what I want when I want because of my mother and now I've got a whole new set of family that I'm introduced out there you know I'm a kid still so it's all fun and games but there was things that are I'm seeing that would get implanted in my brain that would grow up later on and uh, those pictures there of me in India, I, I celebrated a birthday out there. Man, my cousins, my uncles, all from my father's side, still there to this day. We've always tried to get them to the States. Uh, my grandma has six boys. One of them, my father, and then the other five is, is, a, is a split, three and three. Three made it to the States, three got left in India. I've got a picture of my three uncles in India on my later trip to India. I've been to India twice. That's my first trip. Um, yeah, so had that. That really woke me up on, uh, like, humbling myself because of the American way you learn as a kid. So that's, I've encouraged sometimes the kids, this, the kids left, but they get a chance to go out of the country and really wake them up. Those who have been out of the country understand really does shock you. And then also growing up, a huge memory is uh, team sports. Uh, basketball was a huge part of my life. Uh, it was more of a, an escape um, because my mom worked, did what she can. My father worked. I'm like, oh, man, I need to do something. And that's when I started getting into sports. I remember going to the Boys and Girls Club a lot. And that's how I got introduced to the sports. And team sports really probably gave me that outlet of it's just escaping. And, uh, I mean, I loved it. I loved basketball. Basketball in California. Laker fan. I'm a huge Laker fan. Los Angeles Lakers is the NBA team, in case you all didn't know. <laughs> and, uh Yeah. So that's about, yeah, LeBron James is there now. Finally, I can make it to the playoffs. All right, so, um, yeah, middle school, high school starts coming around the corner. And uh, my ninth and tenth grade in high school. And uh, my family that's Indian side, one of my uncles already moved to Georgia area, and uh, I'm not going to show you where Georgia's at, y'all know where that's at, bought some businesses, some gas stations, my uncle, 
And he bought so many that he couldn't commute back and forth. So he called my father for help. And uh, so my ninth and 10th grade was in California, Santa Paula High School. And uh, those two grades, what I remember, I, I, in high school, I isolated myself because of how different I was. I never really fit into a clique or a group or anything. My cousins were all in the other, other, other town, so I'm the only child that had no siblings, and my cousins were all far away, so I'm here, a ninth and 10th grader, half Indian, half Mexican, and I never fit in with the full Mexican group, and there was very little Indians. There was very few uh, African Americans, so I'm like, man, I never really fit in, so I was always kind of a, what they call a loner throughout my ninth and 10th grade. Yeah, a loner. How ironic is that, right? Now, <laughs> I remember uh, for lunch, man, just sitting in class. It was, uh, it was a science class, and I just sat there, ate my lunch there. And then, yeah, I would finally find one friend. And they were so geeky like I was. Well, I mean, I did video games, I did basketball, and I did, you know, like cards, whatever cards were popular that day. Um, so it was a very weird group if they were to find me, you know. And, uh, but, yeah. That was uh, my ninth and tenth year. And then where my, co- my uncle called, and I, I don't even know this. My father just came out of the blue and said, hey, we're going to move to Alabama. This is the uh, summer of 2003. I'm uh, supposed to go to 11th grade. I didn't get too upset because, I mean, I really didn't care about that high school because of how lonely I was there and... Uh, so, yeah, we packed up. We sell everything. We loaded up a Dodge, a Ram, to all the way to the brim and just drive. We drove all the way across country to arrive in a town called Eufaula. Eufaula, Alabama is uh, south from us, um, going towards Dothan, Alabama. And uh, I'm entering 11th grade there. I'm shocked, culture shocked, completely. Because like 95% Hispanic school. And here I am in Ufala, And I'm, it's probably a good, good 60-40 blend of uh, white and black. I'm like, what is going on here? I've never seen so many black people in one place. I'm like, huh. Okay, so then uh, I, <laughs> entering 11th grade, I remember people telling me, oh, so the reason we came is because of the gas station my uncle had. My father took over that and helped him out. And uh, people in the local town of Ufala talked about football, 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 football. I'm over here, the basketball fan. I'm like, what the heck? I don't want to play football, but I guess I'll try it out. So entering 11th grade, I'm the only Hispanic in that whole church. I mean, excuse me, the, the school. And I'm like, wow, I got picked on. I got picked on by the football players. I got picked on by the kids there. And that's where I had to toughen up. I, hit the, I remember hitting the weight rooms a lot because of football practice. And then I finally got to a decent size. And then, then they kind of stopped. But then I got popular because I had that gas station that my dad had that I would still help him out. But now, 11th grade, I th- 
yeah, I got my license. You know, you know, back then, I think, yeah, in Alabama, you can get your license at 16. And in California, you had to do, like, some driver's test, wait till 17, and then maybe get it at 18. So I came here. I'm like, wait, so like, I'm already 16. I can get my license? Got it. So then I became that cool kid that had the car, had the gas station, had what in the gas station? Beer. Yes. Lots of liquid candy. So, man, horrible choices that my father and I made to sell that stuff to these kids of the football team. Man, we, we got to a booming business. It was like almost like a drive through beer selling business because it was a uh, the store was across the you've been to Eufaula there's a uh, Lake Eufaula there's a bridge that goes to Georgetown Georgia our gas station was in Georgetown Georgia I think if they bought it there and they go to Alabama they can't probably touch them or something like that and man we were selling it selling it and it was horrible horrible looking back of course it's horrible but as a kid I've, that was my only way to kind of fit in you know I became that cool kid and then uh 11th grade, oh, football, hated football, played it, I remember, you know, I'm 11th grade being a bench warmer, I remember the other 11th graders were starting, because I think, you know, 11th and 12th are whatever, varsity, and they start, and I'm over here in the bench, getting to know a bunch of sophomores, and uh, I finally got into the football game, and, and one of the very first plays, boom, my knee, my knee gets messed up, I'll never forget it. Because it still hurts to this day because of that one specific event. It had a, ended up being a torn meniscus, and I didn't do anything about it at the time. I was young. I can heal. And then uh, I didn't get it healed until I was 18. And I'll tell you that a little bit more about it. But torn meniscus is a, my first one. Changed my knee and the way I did things in my life. I'm like, oh, man, it sucked. So I've been living with that pain all my life. All right, so finally done with 11th grade. What a crazy, crazy grade. A lot of horrible memories of that, of that, that area. You follow the, the local kids just showing me things, teaching me things, the southern ways. I mean, here I am, West Coast boy, learning about some dirty southern ways. And then, uh, all right, so 12th grade rolls around. That same uncle that had all these gas stations started selling everything and buys this hotel in Opelika, Alabama. And like, Opelika, Alabama. Okay, what is this? All right, so I'm entering 12th grade. I remember I'm like, all right, here we go. I got to start picking colleges. Man, one of the very first colleges I applied for was UCLA. That's why I'm a huge UCLA chanter. Yeah. And uh, then I look at Opelika, and I'm like, oh, there's Auburn here, so I guess I'll just apply there. And that's the only reason I applied to Auburn, because I, my family had this Opelika hotel, and then my dad decided to move to um, to Auburn. And um, we moved to Auburn in the summer of entering my 12th grade year. So I'm like, all right, here we go. New high school again. Again, it still didn't bother me too much. Because um, I never had a foundation of friends, you know. I see some of these kids now; they get so torn up for moving from one high school to another. Of course, it's their friends. They 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 miss their friends so much. But I wish I can tell them, you know, don't get so attached to these 
friends, unless there's some other reason, but that's besides the point. So I come to 12th grade. I already got my license. I'm almost an adult now. So I tell my mom and dad, they're here in Auburn. I'm like, we still got the house in Eufaula for a few more months. Let me stay here by myself for a few months. And then we'll transfer in the, in the, in the wintertime. I'll transfer high schools in the wintertime just to say my goodbyes. I remember telling that. Just to say my goodbyes to everybody. So I took that, those four or five months, whatever it was, until winter break to, tr- to say, hey, I'm going to Uvala, I mean, uh, to Auburn. So I go to Auburn, get transferred, and uh, a little bit more diverse than Uvala. Okay, I like it. Um, my only focus was to graduate. Um, my, my father and I had plans when I graduated to, you know, just be become... Oh, take over the business, and just my mom was there in the picture, and now at this point she's making some choices that didn't make sense. And uh, you know, I had very what's that word? Um, dysfunctional family. I had my mom and my dad, and uh, they never really got along. They just stuck it out for the sake of me. So as soon as I always joked about to this with my mom. As soon as I turn 18, I'm out. I'm out. That started probably when I was around 16, 17. Just, you know, just teenage stuff. And then uh, I was like, man, my dad and I are going to leave. We're going to go. We're going to leave you. I'm telling this to my mom. Y'all know my mom. And um, so I, 18 is right around the corner for me. And uh, got some pictures of that. Got some pictures of my... 18th birthday party because it's such a pivotal birthday because a week later, what would happen to my father? He would pass away from all the alcohol that he drank throughout his whole life. He got to the point where he was hiding it from us. And uh, that those pictures were the last birthday party a week before my father passed away. I mean, I didn't even know that was going to happen. Here I am celebrating my 18th birthday party with my father, and a week later, he passes away from the alcohol. Shocking. Huge shock. And uh, I get thrusted to this manhood that I did not expect so soon. Um, I'm trying to graduate high school, and uh, I'm all discombobulated. And uh, my mother, I'm a witness now. I'm, I'm on the other side. I don't know if you all heard my mom's testimony, but now that one event that happened with my father, she said that <laughs> something happened in the house, if you all remember, some supernatural things. And I'm over here, this 18-year-old kid, seeing this. I'm like, you are nuts, Mom. I don't know what's happening to you, but I don't want any part of it. I've got... To become a man because of my father passed away, I got to take care of you. I've got to take care of the house. So I got to work. So here I am trying to graduate high school. That's the only thing in my mind. Graduate. Boom. Graduated. So the, that, that college I applied to, Auburn, I get accepted. Woohoo. I go. Now I'm trying to get an education, but then I got to go work. Now I have working full time. Work, work, work. That consumed me so much, the work. I ended up having like three jobs. Back then, I remember working at a, 
movie gallery. Hey, rent the movies competitor to Blockbuster, some of you know. But movie gallery was was the bomb back then. Before Redbox, before Netflix. All right. So, uh, and then I have a, had a job at CVS Pharmacy for a small stint and then later become Walgreens because I was going to college to become a pharmacy. I uh, wanted to become a pharmacist because all of those cousins that I grew up with that are, uh, that, you know, they're here and they all want to, we, we had this crazy goal or dream or something. It was, we all going to become one big thing, like one become a dentist, one become a doctor, one become a pharmacist, one become an engineer. Huge aspirations. And, uh, but man, I got a couple of years in into my Auburn University career, uh, education, but work ultimately took over because uh, it was just hard to pay the bills. And uh, I'm in my 20s. Um, by the way, in case y'all didn't know, Throughout my whole life, still, until this 20s, no Jesus. No God because of the temple. Now, this is in my 20s, is a huge part of my life, in my young 20s, because my cousins. Let's see if I got some pictures of my cousins. Some of the cousins are actually in that picture right there. Those cousins... Um, went to the temple in Atlanta. I go with them. I become familiar with that religion a lot. And that's all I knew, going to a temple. Uh, my mom, I've, I'm, I'm seeing my mom go to church, trying to. Uh, she is hopping, church hopping, 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 hopping like crazy. I'm like, come on, mom, you're going all over these places. You can't find a stable ground. And, uh, you know, we're all, we, we lived with each other, but, man, we always butted heads. Could never stand each other. I'm always in and out. I'm, I'm in my 20s, so I was very disrespectful. That's, my 20s was I, was, I was bad. I cussed a lot, disrespected my mother, and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just a bad, music I listened to was horrible, uh, whatever hottest rap was in that time. Um, I had the car. I went to places where I shouldn't be going. Um, hanging out with my cousins, a bad influence. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just all my 20s, bad boy. Then uh, my work career started becoming a pivotal point in my life. So I'm working, working, working. Now I'm like, man, I gotta, I'm working too much. So then uh, I had dreams of uh, staying with Walgreens and climbing that ladder, going corporate. And uh, how am I doing on time? And going corporate, and we talk, Zach and I talk about corporate Walgreens, corporations in general. And, uh, you know, go to Chicago, get out of Alabama. That was my goal, just to get out. Um, I guess back then I was telling myself I would bring my mom with me, but it was more like baggage back then. And then um, Walgreens, Walgreens, Walgreens. If you all ran into me, I was always working at that Auburn Walgreens over there on Glen and Dean. You know, I finally made it to like an assistant manager position, and I thought, like, man, I'm finally becoming someone here at work. And uh, 
I was only a few years away from having my own store. And, uh, yeah, you know, once you get your own store at Walgreens, you know, you can transfer to other locations. And that's like, all right, things are finally starting to look up. Because that death of my father back, even though it was uh, in 2005, I mean, going all the way to 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all that. You know, I'm getting my feet, trying to get that together, you know, because we hit ground bottom. I learned a lesson about life insurance, too. My father didn't have any. Whew. We hit ground bottom, my mother and I. We had to start all the way from the bottom. And, uh, you know, I mean, your main source of income is gone. So that's, that's where, that's why the work took over for me. And, uh, yeah, I ended up, you know, having, uh, I'll put, put my notes here, a girlfriend. And uh, so work, girlfriend, bad decisions was throughout my young 20s. That sums it up. So moving along, my mother finally finds a church. Auburn Fellowship. She finally finds this church called Auburn Fellowship. I'm over here at Walgreens working full time and she's going to church. Okay. Good for you, mom. You keep going to that church. I don't want any part of it. I, I remember deliberately getting Sunday shifts on purpose not to come to church. So, and then my girlfriend at the time, we did stupid things like any, I mean, like some 20-year-olds do. And uh, I, that was also an important part, having the girl, because uh, I, the reason I got her, because I just wanted attention, but I didn't want her to... F- be in love. Oh, man. She fell in love with me. I didn't want anything. Mm-mm. Doesn't go well. I always wanted to run away. It was bad. Um, I, I, used, I hit my all-time low as a relationship-wise. It was when she really upset at me. It was like I dumped her, and uh, I didn't want anything to do with her. I lost her number, lost everything, and... Uh, she comes knocking on my door. I'm like, what are you doing here? Get out. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to do anything with you. Yeah, that was funny. But yeah, back to my mom, Auburn Fellowship. So uh, it would lead to a chain of events that would ultimately change my life. So here we are in 2013, a huge number on my notes here, 2013 is when my life finally started changing. One second. All right, so October of 2013, to be exact, I have, remember, these big goals of Walgreens. Wanted to be someone at Walgreens. Wanted to go somewhere with Walgreens. Bam, something dramatic happens. I lose my job. I lose my job at Walgreens not for anything unethical or illegal or immoral. It's because the store manager didn't um, didn't like me, pretty much. And uh, and I was at a pay. Was, anyways, I got terminated. I'm like, whoa. So what do I do next? I tell myself. I remember. I didn't stress about it at the time because I knew I can always find a job. 
if it has to be at McDonald's, I would do it. It didn't matter. So I started applying to jobs, and um, nothing's coming back to me. My mom at the time is, you know, huge. 2013, if some of y'all remember, she's praying for me. Praying, 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 praying. And uh, I get this instinct to go to, uh, I play basketball with a couple of guys, and I found uh, my boss there, my current boss, where I'm at, Bubba's. I remember playing basketball with him. I go up to him and be like, hey, you remember me from Walgreens? He's like, yeah. You remember me from basketball? Yeah. I don't have a job. You got anything open? Yeah. Hires me on the spot. Like, sweet. They didn't know at the time. I'm like, huh, okay. Bubba's Medicine Shop, new employee, that December of 2013. Happy New Year rolls around. 2014 is where I'm starting to go to church now, that leading up, and uh, Auburn Fellowship, because uh, I have Sundays off, you know, Monday through Friday job, and I have Sundays off, and uh when I was unemployed, too, that small window, I went to church, Auburn Fellowship. And uh, that 2013 slash going into 2014 was a huge part of my life because I met some of the guys at Auburn Fellowship, uh, Stephen and Jeremy, for example, Stephen Decker and Jeremy Renfro. Where, he's not here today, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, I remember getting introduced to some of the guys there, and we hung out, we played basketball. It was fun. It was great. I'm like, huh. Okay, this is pretty cool um, because, you know, I had that huge gaping hole in my heart from my father passing away, and then my cousins were just all over the place in Atlanta and uh, parts of Mississippi, and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with them anymore because I'm finally starting to see something. So I started attending the Auburn Fellowship Services, and then, um, yeah, 2014 was... I say best year of my life. I hope there's I mean, many more to come. But yeah, that's when I finally realized the truth. I found out the truth about God and Jesus. And I was that guy who was like, I don't want anything to do with it. But I'm hearing uh, Pastor Matt at the time, you know, having his messages, hearing it on Sunday, using it on Monday. Because uh, throughout the week, you know, it was rough and I needed something to pick me up. And then uh, that March of 2014, you know, I decided to get baptized. And that was, you know, huge uh, for my mom. She loved it. She was super excited for me. And then, uh, yeah, I would, be, I would go down a path, finally a new path in my life that I was never accustomed to. I was getting discipled by my boss, mentorship, having some beautiful teachings. And... Uh, I was serving, you know, at the time now. Now I'm serving. It was beautiful moments there, beautiful times. And 2015 rolls around. I mean, this is all recent history. That's why I'm condensing all this because it's all 2015. I've got some big, big moments of fellowship started happening. You know, uh, I meet you at a group. Um, Coming come to church. We used to go to that group with Holland and... Um, Sydney, Tim, and Adam, we went bowling, we did things together, we had so much fun. I'm like, yes, family, that's what I was missing the whole time, was family. I had my Indian family that taught me different things, but I got adopted into the family, and you know, Jesus Christ filled that huge gaping hole in my heart that I had because of my father loss, and uh, 
But I had that supernatural father all along, you know. My spiritual father was there for me the whole time. And then uh, I got here. I remember I had to go back, dig into my memory banks, 2016, with the Isabel family, with the Ukraine kids, uh, being part of the youth with Jeremy. Man, this was just a couple years ago. We had we had a blast. We had so much fun. That's how, yeah, I left my old life behind. I started changing the way, uh, I mean, I listened to music. I cut all that junk music out. That was probably one of the very first steps I did was changing my music. And uh, praise and worship, huge for me. I get very emotional. The reason I chose that song, I Surrender, is because somewhere in my 20s, and where my mom was, she was already at Auburn Fellowship, but I was still that, that son that said, I don't want anything to do with that. I remember her playing that music in the background. I remember me sitting in my bed, and I remember yelling at her, turn that off. There was a word in between there. <laughs> turn it off. I don't want to hear it. And it was that song, I Surrender. I remember her you know, singing along with that song, I want to know you more. I surrender like a mighty wind. Oh, man, I remember. I, I remember. I was just, oh, couldn't stand it. But look at me now. I mean, I love that song. You know, that cliche, that, that, that natural way, you know, I want to turn a new leaf. I want to change my ways. It can be, it, it, it happened for me. Radical, radical change. And, uh, yeah, sometime in 2016, I had a, my second, I remember I dealing with this knee pain forever. Oh, man, I went through an amazing weight loss those, those years, too. I got down to an all-time adult weight. Uh, but then my knee was still hurting. I was like, I don't get this. So then I had knee surgery for my second knee surgery for my meniscus tear. That didn't hurt. I mean, that didn't help. Still suffering to this day. But then, you know, I get prayer. I, oh, man, I'm not going through those camps. My knee pain goes away when I keep my focus on God. Don't even phase me anymore at this, at this point in my life of how many years I've been at this walk. The faith that I have, our God, our Father, if he can fix his heart of mine, that was a big old hole. If he can change this kid that was uh, growing up, you know, half Indian, half Mexican, to a follower of Christ, I mean, my knee pain is nothing. So, you know, I, I don't even think about that anymore. I hardly ever, ever mention it to you guys. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's my life story slash my testimony. Um, current times, of course, you know where we're at now. So, a couple of big things. Let's see, let's see. Yeah, I don't want to see those pictures. All right. Yeah, my main point to these stories is, you know, um, this grace that was upon me. So if you have this loved one, this family member, this, uh, I mean, friend that is reluctant, hesitant to become a believer, do what my mom did for me. Just pray for them. Eventually... We hope they'll come around. As hard-headed as I was, I came around. And um, here we are in the South, 
they get planted sometimes, these seeds. You know, we got such that Bible belt with us. And uh, so there's some background, but, man, I didn't have anything. I had no background. I had, uh, I had very small memories of my mom taking me to Catholic services as a kid once every, like, three years. You know, you go there. You know, you do something. I remember that. You know, you pull the thing down. And then temple. Then, you know, my, my, my teenage years, my young 20s, was going to this temple with my cousins. Jesus, what is that? Who is that? I didn't have any of that. But my mom's prayer, you know, and, and praying for that person is huge. Huge believer of prayer. And um, my other one is identity. We harped on that at camp, identity for these kids. If you know a young one that is struggling with identity, I was a loner at high school. I was the one that did not fit in. I struggled with identity growing up. But when they realized it, I didn't realize it until, you know, 2013 when I became adopted into the family. That's my family there. You, they have a family. They don't got to feel alone. We got brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, and uh, they don't need to feel alone. Of course, if I knew that back then, I would have not felt like that. But it's never too late. Yeah, that's... um sums it up. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Good job, Jazz. You know, you're talking about power and prayer. You may, I don't even know if you know this, but I remember when Lourdes came to Auburn Fellowship. And it was probably, how long after she started before you came? Uh, I mean, it was a good year and a half, wasn't it? Well, she wrote on a prayer card week after week after week after week. And I remember the little prayer cards, and we would get them, and we would pray over them every Friday, and your name was on those prayer cards. She was, yeah, there's power in your prayer. Power in your prayer. Good job, man. You did a good job. Appreciate you, Jess.